Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. Before we get into that album, we always like to read the real, genuine, legit email that comes in from our Finest Work fans. This is a little segment we like to call Kenny Gmail. This Kenny Gmail comes in reference to our driving and crying Mystery Road epipod. This person writes, Ciao Alberto, mi portesi deri il condite de Fisher che hai gustado? What language is that? Clearly it was Italian. I nailed it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let me see what this says. Driving and crying fans from all over the world. Yep. Huge in Europe. It reads, hi, Alberto, could you give me the Fisher code you used? We have so many fans that they use our comments section as like a chat board. Yep. Because everybody's on there. Everybody's on there. Just leaving comments. Trading recipes and yeah. Fisher codes. And yeah. It apparently um, has something to do with importing and exporting documents. Importing, exporting documents? Is there like some covert activity happening on our chat boards? Here's a Kenny Gmail in reference to our... Driving and crying Mystery Road Epipod. Okay. Maud writes, incredible story there. What occurred after? Is anyone named Maud anymore? Like new kids? Is that name? You know, because. Oh, yeah. It's kind of gotten hip to go throwbacks. Yeah. Like and pearls. I, and I named my daughter Hazel. Yep. But uh, I haven't seen any many Mauds. Mauds. You, you don't see many like three-year-olds running around named Maud, Maud? yet. Isn't that the show that B. Arthur was in? That's right. Maybe that's the connotation that parents are like. Oh, I don't want to name my kid after B. Arthur. Yeah. Poor B. Arthur, man. She yeah. gets she gets dogged on. Yeah. The Golden Girls are beloved, but B. She doesn't get any respect. No. So, sorry, Maude. I don't know if we answered your question. But. Yep. Thanks again. That's another installment of Kenny Gmail. We always appreciate the emails that come in to finestworksongs at gmail.com. All right, Matt, who do we have with us today here? Please welcome Michael Johnson. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cool snappy intro. No. <laughs> Michael, what album are you here to review with us? Uh, Rush's Moving Pictures. We started this with this idea of trying to convince the other about Mm -hmm. how great an album is. And as we've talked about before, we quickly realized that by and large, we like the same music. Yeah. There are very few albums or artists that our musical tastes don't diverge together. And the one that we always come back to was The Smiths. You feel like you should like The Smiths because of your music DNA and the things you you like. We tried. I'll be honest, today, I'm kind of missing The Smiths. (laughs) This is not that situation. I mean, and I'll even admit, like, when I think about, like, my favorite bands, R.E.M., U2, Connells, they sort of orbit the same type of, you know, galaxy. Rush is something in a different category altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Yep. And, um, you know, this is not an episode of me being like, you should like this because it's like everything else. But it's more of like... This is a band with such a unique kind of following. The people who like and love Rush are passionate about them. I would also concede that like when people say they don't like Rush, I get it too. Like my wife 
She would be here sitting beside you trying to like convince Michael and me why Rush is terrible. <laughs> um, I am. I'm not even going to try and do that. I know it's a hopeless case. Luckily, we have Matt Stevens tied up. Man, he, <laughs> can't, right. he can't get out. I'm tapping Morse code out. <laughs> to why was it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you got to it just before me. Do I expect that we'll change your mind on Rush? No. I'm excited to like you get to express why. They mean so much to us. I'm excited to hear what it is about Rush that you just can't get on board with and what maybe you discovered over the course of listening that's like, okay, well, there's a portfolio. I can't get on board, but there's parts of a song or a specific song that's like, I understand why there are people who love Rush. I'll be honest. I'll be as objectionable. I know you will. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm worried about. (laughs) I think it'll grow on you as it gets closer to the heart. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nicely done. Is that a Rush song? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, as always, we like to start with our memories. Michael, as our guest, what is your memory of Rush? Moving pictures or just Rush in general? I am only 35, and I did not grow up in a family that listened to Rush. I came on board way late, and this is funny. This is really kind of dates like when I went to college and stuff. But uh, back when I was in college, Guitar Hero, Rock Band were mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. YYZ was one of the songs on there. I didn't really think twice about it. It was a hard song to play. And then Rock Band comes out some years later, and Tom Sawyer's on there. I did not like the song, mainly because of just I didn't enjoy playing it on that game. Mm -hmm. After playing it for a while, it grew on me, and I started to kind of realize, hey, you know, I actually kind of like the sound of this song. Kind of started to dig into the music a little bit, but really, and I think... It's probably a lot of people my age, if they like Rush, is how they got into it. But it probably wasn't until I watched I Love You, Man, where I kind of got <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this yep. idea of like, okay, there, there's like a fan base who's like rabid about them. The way they portray, I think, is pretty spot, spot on. on. Oh, yeah. I've seen that movie, and I yes. was going to ask y'all if, yeah. if that is exaggerated. or It's, it's a little exaggerated, yeah. but there's definitely similarities in how like when you meet another Rush fan, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Well, and there's Rush. that whole element where they're like trying to be like a Rush cover band, but they can't do the drums. So they're doing it with their mouth. They're doing, <laughs> you know, like yeah. no one else can do it. Yeah. Really, for me, it was a slow build where I got greatest as like a, I think it was like Rush Gold or something like that. It was like a bunch of their most popular songs. And that's when I started to kind of really get like an ear for them and listen to them a lot. It wasn't until even later than that where I started to like, okay, I'm going to listen to entire albums. Moving pictures just kind of grew on me, especially as a full album. As a Rush fan, you get into the whole catalog or there are just a couple albums that people love? I think as a Rush fan, you get into the entire catalog. I mean, I think you're willing to throw out some albums. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely certain eras, especially eras, because I mean, you can really probably define them in like three or four eras. Oh, wow. And Mm -hmm. you kind of begin to like, "Eh, I don't really listen to any stuff in that era. Like, I'm not really like a... 90s or late 90s Rush fan as big as I am 70s 80s yeah. mm-hmm. generally speaking you appreciate the entire catalog and you want to hear it all you want to know it all okay yeah. Matt what about you with your t-shirt over with there with my t-shirt on over here yeah. I just remember hearing so much classic rock riding around with friends early high school so I kind of dismissed it I remember being on I think a church youth group ski trip John Jarman who was in the great done north carolina band the funkadelic monks oh he was yes he okay was. listeners this is great it's been a while since we've talked about one of your high school bands yeah what did john play pretty much everyone in the funkadelic monks we 
were multi-instrumentalists. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He played bass and guitar, mm-hmm. lead vocals, some backing vocals. He was the Paul? We were all the Paul. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. When we went around and did the, you know, let's meet the band. Um, you guys would do that? Oh, yeah. In like a carport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we got to John and he was on bass, he played the night court theme. What would you do for your intro? Probably some like Joe Satriani. It was probably something dumb, like the first three notes, like Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Right. <laughs> like just that. <laughs> yeah. So I remember being on the ski trip. I think all weekend he was trying to you know, push Rush on me. This sounds like an 80s drug ad. <laughs> I was on the ski trip and this guy kept trying to push Rush on me. Finally, I gave him. And so he gave me moving pictures, the cassette to listen to and listen to Tom Sawyer and still didn't think much of it. But then I got to Red Barchetta, the next song. And I mean, it blew my mind. I was just kind of like, I can get on board with this. What has jumped out at me is a lot of the bands that I've liked for years and years and years are the ones that can kind of reinvent themselves. I mean, the Beatles famously did that. I mean, R.E.M. did that. Radiohead has done that. Yes, this is kind of like a classic rock band, but they're not ACDC. They're not doing the same sound for 50 years. As Michael said, they've got different eras. I mean, you listen to their first album, and it's like a Led Zeppelin knockoff. Then they quickly change, and they're doing concept albums and prog rock masterpieces, and then they go through their synthesizer phase which is where i kind of hop off the train a little bit okay and this album's kind of the turning point there i think from the prog they did a lot of different genres but it's all rush just because of how meticulous they were and you say rush and the first thing people think about is neil peart on drums and that's kind of the fans air drumming to Mm -hmm. rush songs more than anything else or probably someone who's like oh i can't stand getty lee's voice yeah yeah so that's where i come back to like if if you tell me like gosh i really can't stand rush it's probably that oh there's Um, more there's more but (laughs) that's the part where i'm like okay i can see that okay well let's get into it let's hear these lovely pipes Are you sweating over there from all that uh, air drilling? Well, when I saw them in concert in Greensboro, not surprisingly, I had to go by myself. <laughs> um, 
20,000 people and 97% men. 97% men with their sons. It's like a big support group. You go alone. <laughs> you make and... eye contact and yeah. you know you're in a safe place. <laughs> 20,000 people and 19,800 of them are air drumming. Yeah. All these parts. Especially like when you hit this drum fill. There's very few people who are not air drumming. Getty Lee is the bassist, yep. right? And Alex Lifeson, yep. is that right? Is mm-hmm. the guitarist. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like to be those guys and you're playing to 20,000 people? And everyone's air drumming. And everyone's just air drumming, <laughs> you know, the whole time. You're like, man, I mean, I'm doing stuff too. Yeah, Neil's the one everybody thinks about. He's an amazing drummer. Getty Lee's over there singing, playing bass, playing foot pedals. And Alex is this amazing guitarist, but he's the, the last one that people... I didn't know his name. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know the other two, but then yeah. I didn't know his name until I started doing this. I was watching a video and and they talked to each of the band members to talk about the other two. That was one of the things that Getty was saying about Alex was he's so underrated because he takes a back seat to the other two, right? I mean, so much of the melody and I feel like the groove that you get from some of these songs is because of him. Mm-hmm. He's really critical to the sound of that. And they just talk about how full even just his piece makes the sound. Kind of interesting that they recognize it and mm-hmm. they're just... What are you going to do about it? Right, yeah. I mean, sure, people aren't sure. going to stop listening right. to the drums. Right, yeah. Right. They both kind of talk about Neil as being like the most talented of them, right? They're great at their instruments, right. but he's on just a completely different level. And I think that they just realize that in a lot of situations, they're going to take the back seat. The other thing about Neil, he was the lyricist. He wrote all the lyrics once he joined the band after the first album. Right. He's either one of the greatest lyricists of all time or one of the worst. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. he's so into literature and philosophy. And the books he wrote were fantastic books to read. What did he write about? What he would do, particularly later on in their careers, is ride a motorcycle between shows. So he wouldn't be on the tour bus with the rest of them. He mm-hmm. would get on his very well-equipped BMW motorcycles with like a, a security guy and a friend and travel between shows. He wrote a lot about traveling, about just observations around the world. He lost his common-law wife and his daughter within about six months of each other. Oh, man. Uh, and, he, and he like left the band. Like They thought they were going to break up at that point. He goes off to Africa, rides his motorcycle around, and kind of tries to find himself and find meaning and stuff. So his books are really well done in describing just introspective stuff. That's what a lot of the song lyrics are, these very esoteric, philosophical questions of life and faith and things like that. Matt, I told you I was, was not going to do any research because it was bad enough that I had to listen to Rush. <laughs> Which I did nonstop. I felt like I'd lost a fantasy football bet or something. (laughs) But then last night, my wife and I watch a show, and then she has to go do a bunch of emails. Right. And so I thought, there's that Rush documentary on Netflix. Okay. Much to my chagrin, I'm getting pulled in to the story of this band. Yeah. Because, Matt, you know, one of my pet peeves listeners is bands that are put together in order to be famous. bands. This is the complete opposite i mean these guys were best friends in elementary school mm-hmm. you know and so i'm watching that going oh man how am i gonna dog on these guys <laughs> they stand for everything i'm into you know mm-hmm. okay this is cool their story's cool they've got this like zeppelin vibe mm-hmm. and they had that first drummer yep which really weird in documentaries when they talk about somebody leaving yeah you know oh, yeah. one guy's like it's medical the other guy's like he wasn't healthy and, yeah, but right. it was like this it's undercurrent. Not his side of the story yeah there's an undercurrent there <laughs> right. 
when they're playing early and I'm hearing the music of early Rush, I'm, I'm kind of digging it. It's got yeah. the Zeppelin mm-hmm. vibe and everything. Yeah. And actually, I mean, was digging Geddy Lee's voice singing that. Yeah. Right. Because okay. it, it, it feels like, like, you know, he's just kind of channeling yeah. plant a little bit. Yep. So I'm thinking, maybe they're not the worst. <laughs> then Neil joins the band, and they talk about how he started writing lyrics. Yeah. And they started playing one of the songs, and I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's one of the key elements is his lyrics, his lyrics are just, to me, I'm reading it like, what? Catch the spirit, catch the spit. I'm sure there's something to it. Yeah. But when people are like, oh, he's a brilliant lyricist, at least on this album, it feels just so esoteric and yeah. the sort of like line in the sand lyrically for rush i think for a lot of people is the song the trees oh yeah which is the maples are upset because the oaks have all the, the sunlight and the oaks are blocking the maples from getting the shade and so yeah it's like the way they make them even is cut them all down with axes same and saws, size right so like, everyone's the same so it's a sort of like okay. very what, libertarian yeah super political statement there yeah I mean, like, but then there's all these talks that like maybe the maples canada and the oaks are the u.s and the ooh. u.s is the super i mean people read into that but then when you read the lyrics on a sheet of paper right. or something you're like i could see where people see this is just kind of dumb so i get it that's where i was going with it too is like if you have a barrier of entry it's usually getty lee's voice then it's usually the lyrics the lyrics now and, does he write the melody too or just the lyrics he's pretty much the lyrics and then getty's usually the melody getty's yeah. to blame for the way it sounds <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it reminds okay. me of the police synchronicity yeah mm-hmm. they're really into the police yeah. this time. there's that famous meme of like most rock songs in the 70s hey baby i want to be your man rush songs i'm gonna kill the wizard with my magic sword <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> which i don't exactly. think they ever did a song about killing wizards yeah the last thing i'll say about Tom Sawyer in particular that they kind of talked about was, I guess, the individualism. That yeah. wasn't something that was as widely talked about as it is now. But being a part of this song, it was like the youth of that time was like, oh, you know, this is really speaking to kind of the things that I'm thinking about, even mm-hmm. though their parents, individualism wasn't as big of a deal then. Yeah. You know, is that what the song is about? It's like Tom Sawyer, right? If he goes off on his own to kind of have an adventure and find himself, right? Learn mm-hmm. who he is. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is about is this person who's like a modern day Tom Sawyer. Okay. There are a lot of themes of that, particularly in that era of rush of individualism yeah. and not giving in to the collective kind of thing. A lot of Ayn Rand allusions and things like that. Matt, I do commit. You know, I listen over and over again like to this music. So it's not like I just play it one time and go, yeah, I got it. Like, oh, yeah. Aside from a few times when I... I'm driving and I had to turn YYZ off. But on a repeat listen, yesterday I'm driving and Tom Sawyer starts. I'm digging that. Yeah. And then when Getty Lee comes in, it's ruined, right? And so I thought there has to be an instrumental version of this online. Of course. There is. And you don't need them. It's so interesting without them. Okay. I think that y'all have the curse of knowledge that you would never be able to forget. Yeah. But I'm not so familiar that I can't unhear him and it's super cool okay you know just have that little uh robot keyboard come in and do some things but there's interesting counter melodies that just sit on their own yeah i'm a rush fan of the song tom sawyer (laughs) big time without getty lee yes we did it guys you made somewhere made a step you got me is there a uh, isolated vocals only? Of <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to find. Next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to hear Getty yeah. sing. This theme of like individualism and fighting against authority extends to the next song, which may be my favorite Rush song, Red Barchetta.
minutes in is when we find out it's a car <laughs> everything up to this point has been getting to the car <laughs> just a machine at this point well that wasn't even a machine it was about him traveling to this weird farm <laughs> Friday night football. A lot of the ways Neil would construct these song lyrics would something he had read. This is the case of one where it was a it's short a, story. It was a newspaper article. A drive in the country. But of course he takes it and makes it a rush I think song. it was it was about a dystopian society yeah. where there were no cars. Like you couldn't They'd use been like banned. Yeah, cars. yeah. That's yeah. the motor law. Right. Yep, the motor exactly. law. Okay. It's like Virginia where they track speed limits by airplane. So they say. So they which say which I've grown up in Virginia, I've never seen an airplane <laughs> tracking any speed limits right. or heard of it. Maybe they got the idea from the song. I don't think anybody even believes it anymore this is probably my favorite rush song i think it's because it paints such a vivid picture they're not trying to like wax poetic right they're telling you a story and the music fits so well Mm -hmm. with what's actually happening in that moment Mm -hmm. that i really feel like i i kind of feel what's happening and i think that's why it just grew on me Mm -hmm. so fast all right so the guy's Illegally driving this car around mm-hmm. really fast. And then an airplane, a gleaming alloy air car, shoots towards me two lanes wide. So he's got to run. Mm-hmm. He's got to turn around and get away. But is that what that is? Yeah, yeah like, like a, almost like a spaceship kind of air car. In this dystopian Yep, in this society. dystopian society. I didn't see how he got away, though. He drove like the wind. <laughs> yeah. At the one-lane bridge, I leave the giant stranded at the riverside. Oh, the one-lane bridge, because they're two lanes wide. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Neil. Neil, you did it again. You saucy minx. Maybe they're not airplanes, because they could just yeah. go above it. I don't <laughs> yeah. the air cars, but when they showed him and you talked to him, he has that sort of genius oh, yeah. thing going on 
mm-hmm. where I don't think you could process to play like he does, not just like come up with it, but to execute that mm-hmm. without having that sort of beautiful mind type thing. Yeah. You kind of feel that socially yeah. when he's talking, yeah. like there's not a warmth to him. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that when he would write a story, it's very technical language. When you listen to their first album before he joins, those lyrics are very much like, hey baby, it's quarter to eight, I'm in the mood. That's <laughs> very 70s rock, you know. Yeah. It's a completely different feel with him. I mean, his nickname is The Professor. The idea being that like, He's going to teach you ex- exactly how you do something, right? Like, I'm going to teach you how to play drums. This is the exact timing you need to hit each thing, and I can execute it perfectly every single time. Yeah. Some people say it just the drumming doesn't have the soul for me, mm-hmm. you know, but I think that's a matter of preference because I love the precision. Getty and Alex, in any documentary or anything you read about them, they're definitely like best friends. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like the two of them are inseparable. I think the three of them all had like a really close kinship but i think to your point man i mean i think his mind was probably such that like he probably needed breaks from them and they probably needed breaks from him yeah again he would ride off by himself right in motorcycles and while they're on the tour bus and so i think it's a fascinating study in band dynamics and chemistry and mm-hmm. it's rare that the drummer's writing the lyrics Maybe that's why so many bands will break up because they spend too much time together and then him actually taking time apart is the reason they stayed together. He knew all along. That's right. All right, next song. How do you say this? YYZ. Canadians pronounce Z, Z. Why? I'm not sure how prevalent it is, but I think it's very common that they would say X, Y, Z. From A to Z. Okay. The song gets its roots. They were on like a private plane and actually Alex was, I guess he knows how to fly, was learning how to fly. But the Morse code for the airport in Toronto is Y, Y, Z. That's the airport code. They were doing the Morse code. Neil was like, that's a great sound. Like we should 
do a song. See, again, that mind. beautiful mind beautiful type mind. thing, man. He hears Morse code. It's like, uh, here's yeah. a song. Can we talk about why poor Toronto has YYZ as there? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like right. every code was taken. They're like, oh, we forgot about Canada. TOR wasn't available. Right. TRT. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nope. Sorry, YYZ. And Canadians are like, okay. Okay. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. They're so well, polite. Yeah. If there's ever a sing-along instrumental, it's this song. Mm-hmm. You watch their Rock in Rio concert. There's like 100,000 Brazilians like sing it along oh, yeah, to you, an instrumental. You can kind of sing along to it, yeah. With the guitar. Yeah. And they're singing a little Oh, yeah, they're actually doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. They're obviously happy to do instrumentals because they do them on quite a few albums. But this is one that, like, I do want a little bit of a breakup with vocals. I love the song, but I can see where it's like, okay, we get it. This like, was the hardest for me to get through. And kind of when I stopped it, that was my limit. You know, yeah. there's a point where I'm just like, oh my gosh. But I like Tom Sawyer instrumental. Without the and vocals. so I like what they do. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. The technical, like creative. Yeah. But I like their level of, we're going to write a song, a real song, mm-hmm. and then take out the vocals. And it's so technical and so busy. Right. Like That's about as technical and busy as I want it. Yeah. When they go, we're going to write an instrumental and it's this. It's like, oh my gosh, tone it down. Usually when you're listening to a jam band, right? Yeah. Which would be just instrumental. You get that kind of like sound in the background that stays consistent that kind of helps you kind of where your mind can go somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm but that music's still playing in the background, right? Mm -hmm. This is like almost no repetition. Maybe some of the bass line is the same. There's almost no repetition. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to be listening to this. Demands your attention. It kind of like tires you out. Yes. Because you have to focus. But you also kind of feel like, but I don't have to hear any lyrics, so why am I having to focus? But you kind of just drawn back into it. Yeah, that makes sense. I've never thought of it that way. I'm going to get every single Rush song. (laughs) Sans vocals. Yeah, Yeah. sans vocals, (laughs) and we're going to give it to you, and you're going to be the biggest... Rush All the Rush fans will hate me because I'm yeah. like only into the no man the yeah. lyrics no terrible. lyrics no lyrics and no vocals you know? <laughs> but not YYZ no 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 <laughs> this kind of feels like their last nod to their old prog mm-hmm. sound oh really a lot of the albums before this you would get these 14 minute like oh, yeah. songs where there's a lot of instrumental um mm-hmm. I mean even 2112 is I can't remember how long that song is really long and you get long periods of just instrumental that's mm-hmm. a lot longer than this song you know oh my gosh yeah and so you kind of get into this i think it's like 15 minutes plus right mm-hmm. like it's a it's a really long song and a lot of it's just yeah yeah this kind of feels like that last nod before they kind of get more into their 80s synth and become okay. i don't want to yeah. say more like poppy right because i don't i still don't think that they're poppy but they begin to shorten their songs after this, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they really do many more instrumentals. When they play live, is it all about they recreate it perfectly? They write their music to be performed live, and they're going to perform it just like it sounds, and it's going to be like that every That's time. probably part of it is that the fans come, and they need to know where the where the exact drum fills are. Because you're doing those air drums. You don't yeah. look stupid That's right. doing that air drum fill. Yeah. Normally, I don't want that. Matt, we always talk about REM tour film mm-hmm. and you're hearing these songs that you love and they sound live. There's little nuances and things here. They're a little bit different. It's not what you go to a Rush concert for. You're there to hear every single note like it is, mainly because you know how incredibly difficult it is. Yep. I think that's kind of what you go for. It is very robotic, calculated and yeah. The soulful journey continues. 
This one probably most embodies kind of what people know about Neil as well. Mm-hmm. He didn't like the meet and greets. I know one of the things that he said before is like when I was younger, he said I was a huge Who fan, but I never dreamed of showing up at their front door. People nowadays, they want to find your house thinking that you're going to be their best friend, which kind of like goes to the line, our camp attendant stranger is a long-awaited friend. And he actually says this in an interview, you think you know me so well because mm-hmm. you follow me, right? Even us, yeah. like sitting here talking yeah. about yeah. him, like, like we know him like so we know well. Him personally. But he's like, I have no idea. I know nothing about you. And yet that didn't stop fans. Nope. They read this lyric yep. and they're just like, yeah, but I, you don't know me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a stranger. Yeah, I'm not weird. <laughs> I'm I totally you cool. Neil. Yeah. When I saw them on the... Time Machine Tour, where they actually did moving pictures in its entirety. Oh, They did this clip with Paul Rudd and, and Jason Siegel. They're recreating their characters from I Love You, Man, and they break into their dressing room after the show. This is playing on the screen? This is playing on the screen. This is after yeah. the show ends. This is how they kind of end the concert. That's funny. Rush comes in, and Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd are like, oh, man, you should totally come hang out with us. I've got a man cave. And they're like, oh, what? They play off this idea that, like, oh, of course they're going to like us. Do you know how to play that thing? Uh, well, not not nearly as, as good as you, but uh, I, uh, I I I have uh, been known to slap at the bass uh, big time. Why is he talking <laughs> like a leprechaun? <laughs> Everybody says that Neil was still keeping a space between the fans. Yeah, if they did a meet and greet, like he's not going to be there. Yeah. It's all on brand. He's yeah, extremely introverted, yeah. complete engineer, beautiful mind mm-hmm. brain. And then you elevate that by making you not just famous, but obsessed over. Right. I mean, yeah. people yeah. freak out about him like it's a boy band or something. Yeah. yeah. But it's a bunch of middle-aged white men <laughs> screaming like little girls. Yeah. The other sort of yin and the yang with this band, though, is they also had a wicked sense of humor. Even the, the album cover for Moving Pictures, that's filled with puns. I mean, you've got the movers who are literally moving pictures. Yeah. One picture references Witch Hunt, which is a song. One is dogs playing poker. Yeah. You've got the family off to the side who are moved by pictures. They're crying. They're moved. Oh, I gotcha. On the back, they're making a moving picture. It's a film crew. There's so much to obsess over. They always had like a sense of humor. For a band that took things so seriously, Mm -hmm. they never took themselves that seriously. Yeah, I got the sense of that too in that documentary. I mean, again, that's all I've seen. Mm -hmm. But extremely likable. Mm-hmm. Did not come across as pretentious. Mm-hmm. I don't hate them. Right. <laughs> Maybe the music they make, but even yeah. watching that, I just thought, man, these guys are really nice and just seem very sincere. Yeah. I wasn't surprised, but it was kind of cool to see who was influenced by them. Yeah. Every rock band you can imagine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trent Reznor, Billy Corgan, Dave Grohl, all these people. I am thankful for that because you can imagine. If you grew up listening to this and it showed you some of the technical and musical approaches that you can take, and then you take that and add it into 
more pop sensibility. Or, I think it also influenced people that you could kind of do what you wanted to do. Because I think the story with when they recorded 2112 was their previous album didn't do great commercially. So there's all this pressure from the record company. And they're like, we're going to do a sci-fi yeah. dystopian prog concept rock album, yeah. you know, concept album. And people loved it, you know, yeah. and even with this, I mean, so they're up to moving pictures. They had kind of done this pattern of two or three studio albums, live album. But when they got to this point, they had enough in the can to start another album. They had kind of turned the corner and knew that they, they had more concise, almost radio friendly songs to record. And so they got off the plane and immediately went to, to record mm-hmm. this album. Um, and it, like Michael said, I mean, I think it really is kind of this bridge album between the the old concept album Rush and later Rush. I, uh, in context, enjoyed that relative to the others. <laughs> so Interesting. let me be clear. Because again, I would just listen front to back, front to back, front to back. Yeah. And when it came to that one, I found myself a little bit more interested. Mm-hmm. How do you say Neil's last name? Peart. Peart. Yeah. But in that documentary, they were saying Pert. They're wrong. But <laughs> it's in the documentary, you know? So I was really confused by that. He probably didn't watch it. <laughs> Is it just that he's Canadian, so the way he says it is weird? Like, he's saying parrot, but it's like, parrot. <laughs> and everybody's like, I don't know I how, don't to, how say to say that. his name. Yeah. I told you not to eat Mr. Parrot's sandwich. It's just parrot. You sure that it's not parrot? I think he would know. Are you sure? Because we're pretty big fans. As much as I could continue talking about Rush. We can tell. It's time to move on to the portion of the podcast where we share our senior quote. Your senior year, your picture's going in the yearbook. 
And this is the quote that represents where you're at in the wisdom of the 17 and 18 year old high school student to share what represents either the journey that you've been on or Mm. the journey that you see ahead of you. Oh yes. And so Michael, what would your senior quote be from moving pictures? A modern day warrior. Just that? Just Just simple. I like it. Yeah, Yeah, he is. Mean, mean stride. Not actually how it would have actually been described in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Not even close. So there's a little bit of revisionist history. Uh, To be fair, it's not how it would be described now either. But (laughs) What about you, Matt? Mine would be uh, actually from the camera eye. I feel the sense of possibilities. I feel the wrench of hard realities. Looking ahead to the future and the unknown, you know, just... Not sure what's going to come, but the world's your oyster at 17, 18 years old. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Okay. I was surprised. I really thought that one of y'all would pick, he knows changes aren't permanent, but change is. Ooh. That was on my list, but I was like, this might be low-hanging fruit. But I didn't pick that one. I'm picking, <laughs> my uncle has a country place that no one knows about. That's it. Just, <laughs> yeah, just that. If people are like, uh, uh, creepy. Are you, is That's this a, a cry weird. for help? Or are you inviting us to a party? Yeah, that's right. Also, listeners, we challenge each other. If you had to remove a song, which one would it be? And so Matt, Rush is going to make you listen to moving pictures. <laughs> no, not that. Getty Lee is going to sing your lullaby every night. Yes, that's <laughs> it. Unless you remove a song from moving pictures. Especially. Yeah, especially me. Yeah. Matt, we'll start with you. If you had to remove a song. If I had to remove a song, it would actually be Vital Signs, which is the last song. reason i would pick the song is i hate at the end that they repeat everybody got to deviate from the norm elevate from the norm over and over that gets really tiresome to me that's what reminded me of the police it sounds like a robot playing the police (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you You know that's fair the lack of soul in the reggae groove it's just like man you can execute this perfectly but it's too perfect it's like a computer programmed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right michael it would be Vital Signs. Witch Hunt definitely could be an end to the album. Mm-hmm. Like, the sound seems to be good. I think you could stop on that song and be like, okay, this mm-hmm. is nice. It's a little bit of a, I don't want to say slower song, but it's not as bright. Yeah. It kind of ends like a little darker, which I think is fine because the rest of it is kind of like a brighter sound. I think yeah. it's a better end. All right, Matt, you can only pick one. Oh, geez. To keep? <laughs> oh, t- okay. Which one is that one, actually? Yeah, yeah, I would one? like to know which one is one you would well, keep. No, it's not YYZ. I'm interested to hear, and you were like, this is the song to keep. I guess Tom Sawyer without vocals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess I guess it would be Tom Sawyer. That, that's what you would keep? Yeah. Okay. What would you, what would you get rid of? The rest of it. <laughs> okay, so I would get rid of Witch Hunt. To me, it just gets too, like, I don't know, cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it gets too kind of weird, like Halloween-y or something. It's much more kind of on the nose, too, like lyrically. On the other side of this, I won't listen to Rush again, (laughs) but I like the guys. Yeah. I have respect for their technical approach to music and their influence that they had and 
and the long storied career that they had. I can have a little bit more respect for you as Rush fans. Oh, oh even though I don't get it, I accept you. <laughs> now we have a little bit more respect for you as a non-Rush fan. <laughs> Michael, thanks again for being here. Thanks for giving me some backup as we talk about Rush. I, I think we can go ahead and loosen these ropes now. Yeah, we can let them out. Yeah, we can let them out. Thanks again for listening to Finest Work Songs. We always enjoy the interaction from the listeners on social media, whether it's Twitter and Instagram at Finest Work Songs or Facebook. Keep those emails coming, finestworksongs at gmail.com. Well, it's been fun. Until next time. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>